Hi everyone, thank you for joining us again. My name is Jordi Miller and uh, welcome to Between the Head and the Heart. I am from Lexington Wealth Management and today we're launching a, a three-part series with a very special guest. Uh, we're having Jennifer Sulo, Managing Director at Rokuton Investment Advisors. And Jennifer, it's a friend of the firm. We have worked with her for almost four or five years now. And in the last few years, she has taken a, a little bit of a niche into what we call SRI or ESG investing. And we'll get into what those acronyms or uh, mean in a little bit. But uh, first of all, Jennifer, how are you doing? Hi, Jordi. I'm great. Thanks. How are you? Good. Just so you know, I'm going to start calling you Jen for the rest of the podcast. So be familiar with that. <laughs> okay. I hope that's okay. Um, today's Today's episode or today's uh, part one, what we wanted to cover is this entire conversation that we are hearing more and more in our industry, we're hearing more and more from clients, which is how can I be more impactful with my money? Um, for the longest time, investments and fin finance was kind of like separate conversation or a completely separate uh, topic when it came to our activities as a human beings or as a society. And I would say in the last couple of decades, our money is starting to talk <laughs> into what we care about. And that's where ESG and SRI investing comes uh, very, very in hand with the conversation. Now, um, I wanted to give a little bit of context uh, for today. So if you're not familiar with SRI, this means Sustainable Responsible Investing, um, ESG uh, translates to Environmental, Social and Governance Investing. And it is a big chunk of assets of the world. I think you can, we can start with that. A lot of people think this is a very small market or a very small a part of the entire investment world. It is not. I don't know if you can uh, talk a little bit about that, Jen. Sure. So, Jordy, you led me right to where I was going to start, actually. I was going to start throwing data right at you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. So the U.S. SIFT Foundation's latest report, which was released just a couple months ago in October, it's done every two years, um, but estimates that U.S. sustainable investment has increased to $12 trillion. So that's huge. Just to level set with you, two years ago, the last time the report was done, we were at $8 trillion. So we've increased $4 trillion, and that represents one in every $4 under professional management in the United States. So this isn't a small chunk of money that's being invested in this way. Okay. And so... Go ahead, Jordy. No, yeah. So I was, I was, I was specifically <laughs> going to ask you about this. So when you say one in four dollars that is available to be invested, this is, this is not options on vehicles. This is actual money being invested in a sustainable, uh, I guess, responsible way currently, right? Correct. Yeah, it's already invested in this way today. Okay, and then um, could you, if I'm brand new to this kind of investing. How did this start? <laughs> when does this come? Like, like when does it became like an actual option for investing? Sure. So maybe I'll back into that, the, responding to that question. So I think um, today, starting with today and then we'll rewind, investors are more aware than ever before of how corporations are impacting the world that we live in. So why is that? It's because it's so difficult to ignore headlines and social media that that basically pings our phones all day long about how climate change or poor corporate governance are negatively impacting communities. And so just a few years ago, not many investors wanted to discuss or even think about ESG investing. It was really like, um, you know, people thought of it like hippies invest that way, or it's rooted in religious values or social movements. And so 
um, leftists or communists sometimes were referred to in this ESG landscape. But today it's grabbing headlines. And so, you know, for instance, Larry Fink of BlackRock, Bill McNabb of Vanguard, not small names. They're penning letters urging companies to show how they make positive contributions to society. And I think from my personal perspective, a system where businesses and individuals create negative externalities which governments have to then spend a fortune to fix does not make any sense, especially when you've got governments today throwing up their hands saying, we don't have the budget to address these issues. So that model is not sustainable in my perspective. And then on their second hand, you've got millennials who are driving companies to reconsider their business models. So top talent today is going to companies that offer meaningful opportunities to young people who have both the ambition to make money and change the world. So to me, in its simplest terms, it's totally intuitive. ESG simply brings another level of information to the investment process. And I would argue strongly that it doesn't involve making a trade-off between delivering profit and positive impact, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit more as we get into this conversation. Yeah. So there's a lot of conversations that start, especially with between advisors and clients when the conversation of ESG and SRI come. And there's a lot of myths. And I know we're going to be talking in a separate episode about this, but there's definitely a couple that we can touch on today. One of them is definitely performance. A lot of people think you're sacrificing or you're giving up performance for investing in a more sustainable, responsible way. I would like for you to to have the opportunity to basically talk about that. Yes. So do you want to do that now or do yeah. you want to talk? Okay, so let's do it now. So let's jump into it. So punchline is studies on ESG incorporation are mixed. So many studies indicate that ESG investments tend to grow at a slow but steady rate and typically outperform other investments. Other studies claim that ESG investments have a return that's similar to non-ESG investments. However, ESG investing may be better suited for long-term portfolios because there has a lower risk profile and typically lower volatility. So regardless of if ESG returns are indistinguishable from non-ESG investments, I think most investors agree that an ESG company is less likely to be impacted by a negative event such as a labor issue or an oil spill or legal repercussions tied to unethical practices simply because you've already folded some of that into the analysis when you've in, before you've invested in the company. Yeah, and that is a key point. Um, I think one of the things that, that, that I have to point out uh, working, I guess, on the wealth management side of things is... If you are considering, or when investors, investors meaning and investors, um, are considering investing on ESG, you already had a conversation of a value set. Uh, this this becomes not necessarily a, such a performance-oriented conversation, but more about where I'm putting my money into and what I'm supporting with my money. And that's why it's important to take that performance myth out of the question. So it's not a barrier to start investing in ESG and SRI vehicles. Completely agree. And I think there's so many ways that you can invest in ESG or SRI vehicles today. So let's let's just define it first. Does yeah. that work for you, Jordi? Yeah, let's so, so sustainable investing, and I'm going to use sustainable investing, ESG, um, interchangeably because they're really the same thing. ESG goes by lots of different monikers, green investing, impact investing. And so for the sake of this podcast, let's just call it ESG. Um, But essentially, it's the practice of investing to achieve market rate financial returns while pursuing positive environmental, social, and or governance factors. So you're doing both at the same time. You're looking for financial returns while pursuing ESG factors. And so 
I typically categorize these into two different categories because I think it's easier to understand that way. So avoid and advance. And so, Jordy, maybe I'll let you pick. You want to talk about avoid or advance first? Well, I think uh, let's start with avoid, which is mostly what brings uh, this conversation up with clients. And then we'll talk about advance. Okay, cool. So avoid is historically how a lot of ESG has been integrated into portfolios. So avoid means you're limiting or you're avoiding certain exposure to investments or activities. So for instance, um, if you're an insurance company, you may not want to invest in tobacco. If you are a church, you may want to align your investing with, if you're a Catholic church, Catholic values. And I think that's where a lot, the genesis of ESG investing has started from, but it's evolved significantly since then. So if we talk about advance, um, which is the second category, advance is about aligning capital with certain investments or activities. So it's the consideration, like we talked about, of environmental, which is the E, social, which is the S, and corporate governance, which is the G, into your investment analysis across all different asset classes. That includes stocks, bonds, and alternatives. So maybe I'll walk you through a couple of examples because I feel like sometimes it's a little tough to get your arms around what exactly we're talking about. And so, so, so let, um, me, let me ask you, let me, let me just ask a little for further details on this, especially because I think these two terms, avoid or advance investing when it comes to sustainable investing, get confused. Um, avoid in my head, and you describe it perfectly, is I want to screen out of something that I already have, or I want to make sure I am not investing on this. It's, it's almost like um, I'm making sure you're not putting your money in the wrong place according to your own values or your own priorities. And, and that's kind of like how we have a conversation with clients. This usually tends to happen, let's say, there's an oil spill and I'm really into climate change, so I definitely don't want to be investing in oil companies. That's, that's again, this is not a, a, a client example we have currently, but this is kind of like the, the, the thread of thought that would happen. And then, exactly. And then the advisor would probably go and try to find an investing way to screen out that part. That is where the majority of people come into place into the ESG and SRI conversation. I think what you're about to explain, which is the advanced part of investing, is kind of like the next level and more impactful way of doing investing. Completely agree. I think that this is where folks are going. Advance is kind of the latest and greatest on how to implement these types of factors into your portfolio. Okay. So uh, now I'll let you run with it. <laughs> so talk about ESG thematic or impact. All right. And so a few examples um, that an ESG investor might consider are companies' carbon emissions or water and waste management, labor practices. So taking account into account, you know, all these things while you're evaluating a company governance, diversity, meaning governance means diversity on the board, who's making decisions, transparency, are the boards being transparent with the information they're providing investors. And some of this is just expected this day and age. I think the G in ESG is largely a given. If boards are not transparent, investors simply don't invest with them. Yeah. And so why does this matter? I, I think maybe that's the punchline. So I think I can give you a good example of why this matters. And so the ESG has a real financial impact on companies. Look at BP. I think that's one of the most prevalent examples of ESG investing that that basically got this right. So 
ESG focus managers had concerns with BP. So prior to 2010, the company demonstrated patterns of safety failings. And so in 2010, as we all know, the Deepwater Horizon offshore drilling rig suffered a blowout and it caused an explosion. And that oil spill lasted six months. 11 workers were killed during the explosion and two more were killed during the cleanup. And BP suffered significant financial losses in excess of 3.5 billion. Their stock fell 55% and the company paid out almost $19 billion in fines, which is the largest corporate settlement in US history. And so for an ESG investor, Given that when people were doing their due diligence, investors that were ESG investors said, you know what, there's a lot of safety failings here. This isn't a company, this isn't a top-notch company we want to invest in. Because of that, they were shielded from that loss and folks who didn't take into account ESG were not shielded and felt that pain when the stock fell 55%. Hmm. Hmm. So so it's like, if it's it's... If you're not prepared for it or if you're not actually leaving your governance in a company like this, now it's completely having real consequences in day-to-day uh, trading exactly. and day-to-day evaluations. So so let's talk about that for a second because one of the things that I personally don't even understand a lot is how does this get monitored? Like how do companies uh, kind of like become highly rated ESG companies? Sure. So there's lots of different ways to evaluate ESG companies. Um, so there's, it's today it's a self-reported title. So you can call your strategy, a green strategy, an impact strategy, socially responsible strategy. So it really takes a lot of due diligence to make sure that it actually is what the title is saying that it is. And so I think it's important that the investor does a reasonable reasonable amount of due diligence before investing. And this is how Rokuton works with Lexington is we're responsible for doing that due diligence. And so there's little regulation governing um, that name. And so it's created a, a wide range of possibilities as it relates to what is considered ESG investing. So today there is no definition, uh, no no straight and easy way for me to describe what ESG investing is. Um, but what is happening is there's the SASB board is trying to come up with a list of criteria that would basically define how ESG investing is um, it's basically. Categories. Yeah. And just, exactly. to, and just to give the, 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 the SASB board, sustainability accounting standard board, um, it is an organization created uh, around 2011, 12. I'm trying to remember the exact date. Uh, to, 2011. Yep. 2011 to come with a sector and an industry specific, um, I would say, requirements to be to be actually labeled as a ESG company. And but it's it's a work in progress, and a lot of companies still do self-report to this organization and then they get rated. So so it, it's definitely a lot of due diligence that comes from investors or investment research firms like Rokuton to make sure that these companies do satisfy this SASB uh, exactly. requirement. So much of it is ad hoc today. So yeah. for instance, you can measure governance by, some people measure governance by going to look at the boards and the diversity mm-hmm. on the board. So are there a number of women on the board? Are there a number of diverse members of the board? Is the board transparent? board transparent in like a yes or no methodology through questionnaires. I think environment is also, the E is also 
pretty straightforward to measure because you can measure carbon emissions, you can measure renewable energy. It's, it's a lot more easy to measure. I think what's more qualitative and more difficult to measure is the S, which is the social kind of um, your employment practices, which covers a, a broad range of things, child labor, you know, mm-hmm. these are t- investments that make headlines for negative and cause negative reputational risk, which are difficult to capture in analyses. Now, um, uh, I would say to close this first part episode of uh, on ESG, what I would like to approach is those investors, those people out there that are listening to this and I say, yes, I, I have my value set. Um, I know kind of what I want to be supporting with my money and I will definitely need guidance of an advisor or to to chat with somebody. But am I limited to only U.S. funds? Am I limited to only U.S. companies? And I know the answer, but I also wanted to maybe expand on the magnitude of world ESG investing around there. Sure. So the proliferation of product has been significant in recent years. So... Over the past 20 years, the number of professionally managed investments that employ ESG techniques has increased across all asset classes. So I'll just briefly hit on, there's lots of equity implementation options. Asset managers can use ESG factors to rank companies within that industry sector framework, like Jordi had mentioned. Fixed income has made great strides this year. I think it's a little bit more difficult to find niche fixed income investments that incorporate ESG um, that do a great job of doing it. But importantly, I'll note that all major ratings agencies say they already incorporate ESG into the considerations of their traditional analysis. So that includes like Moody's, Fitch ratings. And then from an alternatives perspective, there's lots of thematic focused options out there. So I think it's tough to find an ESG kind of um, something that covers all ES and G, but I think there's more targeted investments such as like green real estate, sustainable forestry and agriculture or renewable energy. Those are just examples. But I think that to Jordy's point, there's lots of options out there for investing in this type of investment. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. So, um, um, uh, let's. I want to close this episode. Uh, we have a, a lot more to cover in, in future episodes, specifically to SRI and ESG. And I know we're going to have Christine Pokara, our uh, uh, co-founder and president of Lexington, join us for a few on this because here at Lexington, we're putting a ton of effort to try to make this uh, at the forefront of how we build portfolios. So, uh, Jen, let's uh, let's stop this conversation today, and maybe we can uh, continue another day with the next topic, which would be the myths of ESG. Great. Sounds good. Thanks for your time, Jordi. Thank you so much, Jen. Bye. Bye.